0: That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles, welcome to all my listeners out there on Radio Land. I'm Dave, the caregiver's caregiver at caregiverdave.com. Also coming to you live on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks, actually on 26 global audio and video platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, well, I'm going to na- name them all because it takes too long. In fact, we're voted number one podcast for caregivers of the top 50 on Player FM, number two on Feedspot, number two on CaringVillage.com. We have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Carlin Meddox is an experienced journalist. He wrote for the nationally recognized St. Petersburg Times, now the Tampa Bay Times, before founding in 1884. 1884. No, he's not that old. 1984. (laughs) Editing and publishing for 26 years, a business magazine for the Tampa Bay, Florida region. He's also written A Path Revealed How Hope, Love, and Joy Found Us Deep in a Maze Called Alzheimer's. Ouch. Today, Carlin is a sought after author, speaker, and blogger, sharing the hard won experience arising from his family's experience. But before we get started, I want to thank Last week's guest, Rosie Mankus. She's a life coach, motivational speaker, author of Find Your Joy and Run With It, heartwarming memoir about overcoming her second battle with cancer and transitioning her mother into an assisted living facility. And just a reminder you can listen or watch that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of the other 26 global networks that I mentioned earlier, iHeart radio, iTunes, YouTube, etc. All right, enough of that. Carlin, welcome to the Caregiver Dave Show. We're so excited to have you on.
1: Thank you very much, Dave. It's good to be here.
0: <laughs> Finally. And I always yeah. uh, like to ask my guest just who is Carlin Maddox and why was he placed on this earth?
1: Well, I was placed on this earth. Well, for a lot of reasons, I think. But um, most recently, uh, uh, not most recently, just back in 1997, my wife and I had been married for 25 years. Uh, she was 50 years old, and I was uh, 52. And she was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's
0: at 50 uh, years old. Oh my God!
1: At age 50, and um, she um, she had uh, Martha had always been very energetic. And I'd been on the St. Petersburg City Council uh, back in the mid-1980s. And uh, we got the diagnosis about Alzheimer's. I hadn't even heard of it, or if I did, it hadn't registered in my mind, whatever it was. What year was that? 1997.
0: Mm, That was the year my wife stroke. Wow. Is that right? Yeah.
1: Well, for Alzheimer's uh, research and whatever else, I call that the dark ages, Dave. Yeah. But um, anyway, Martha uh, was diagnosed then, um, and we just, uh, when we heard this, our world was not turned upside down. It just imploded before us. And um, we got the word. We went home and um, had a good cry. And Martha was still able, uh, at that point, still able to talk. She had been just... Not remembering names and dates and appointments and whatever else—is
0: that why you went to the doctor?
1: Uh, yes, that uh, and before the year before that, Martha had run was running for a, an open seat in the Florida State Legislature, and um, she was uh, uh, talking to the most um, important group in that campaign called the Taca Bay Club, and along with three other candidates. And I'd seen Martha in these situations, and she'd handled them always just greatly, great. And um, I um, had, um, she, when she was there, she had to ask for every question to be repeated.
0: Oh. And, had
1: to, had, and her answers were askew by 10 degrees. We got home, and I asked her what was going on, and she thought everything was just fine. And so we just had to, uh, we tried to get her to a doctor then, but it took us a full year to get her in to see a doctor. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's why I wrote my book. That's what the story coming out of my book. And as well as just, we went through this for 17 years, Dave, uh, and you've been at it longer than I had at this point. <laughs> Martha died in 2014. Wow. And um, so, uh, but there was uh, anybody who's aware of Alzheimer's just knows the volatility that's involved with the person who has it, has the disease, as well as the family and the caregivers who are taking care of her.
0: Do you consider yourself an Alzheimer's expert?
1: No, because uh, I consider myself more expert in terms of our experience. But I, I've learned enough to know that other people have different kinds of experiences with this. Right.
0: And um, so when you meet a couple that is going through what you went through, what are basically the things that you tell them to encourage them or prepare them? Uh, what's the typical conversation?
1: Well, one, I um, listen to them a lot
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, without giving a lot of advice um, and just sort of take a, a reading on where they are. I just had a, a friend at church recently approached me and I did not know his wife had Alzheimer's mm. and uh, shared my book with him, which he found to be um, pretty significant for him.
0: Is your book good for the caregiver or for the uh, patient?
1: Um, more for the caregiver. Okay. Um and um, and it's it's not a caregiver's guidebook. Uh, it, it's it, we'll get into that. We can get into that. But in terms of your question, when I was talking with him, uh, it just I, I let him talk, this friend, and just asking him some questions. And I said, "Well, what are you doing to take care of yourself? Hmm. What what are you What are you doing uh, as far as relating to the issues that that you've?" Uh, that come up what kind of issues are coming up with your wife and you and um and he is he he's in, in his early 80s and this is pretty and, wow. and it's just come <laughs> on recently so it's a different different age frame right but um, oh. uh he it, it's also very uh distressing to him and it's distressing to anybody no matter what the age is really
0: Sure. When do you decide if if you're capable of handling, I mean, at, at that age, oh my gosh, uh, and when you should uh, decide to put a, your, your loved one in a facility where they're more capable and are equipped 24-7 to handle that?
1: Well, he's, he's having uh, somebody come in. Uh, and be with his wife uh, during the day uh, three or four days a week Mm. or three or four hours a day. I think that gives him a break. He's, he's still playing tennis. And uh, well, that's a good, good sign. That's that's a good sign. And, um, and still very much has his wits about him. Um, (laughs) How old is he? Is he in his eighties? He's he's early eighties. God bless him. And, um, so he's choosing to go ahead and keep her at
0: home yeah. for the
1: time being. But he's in a facility that can he can he she can be moved into a memory care unit.
0: They're both they're, there? I'm sorry? They're both in the facility? Yeah, they're in assisted living. Oh, assisted living. Yeah, and those are great um, alternatives to, you know, going into a facility, especially if they have uh, a wing that is equipped right. to handle things when they get worse. I just tell right. people... Don't wait! Don't wait till the last minute. It's hard enough, you know. Right. To think out right. in advance. I mean, to, healthy people should be going into uh, independent and then assisted living, or if they yeah. just want to skip the move because moves are stressful, yeah. just go straight yeah. to assisted living.
1: I mean, and in my our case, Martha was at home for ten dec ten decades, ten years, <laughs> a decade before we moved her into uh, a nearby nursing home and yeah. a member care unit there. So she was there for six years and, and 11 years at home, but I had to have, I, I was still working and I had to have um, somebody come in and take care of Martha during the day. And then I would be with her at night. Sure. And, and on the weekends.
0: Okay. Well, this shows for caregivers and how, how caregivers can survive and not just survive, but thrive. So you said that you learned a lesson in first grade that helped you uh, become a better caregiver. What was that?
1: Well, it's an old cliche, Dave, but it's, it's stop, look, and listen. Okay. And, not, and, that, and it's not trying to tell my wife what to do and how to do it. I just need to stop and try to listen to her as to what she was trying to tell me and what she was wanting and what she was needing. And uh, and, and just, to, just to observe as much as I can without drawing – Without trying to impose what I think is normal on our situation anymore.
0: Yeah, she can still speak, right? Yes. Well, when she was diagnosed, find the words.
1: No, when she was diagnosed, she could still speak. Uh She was Uh still speaking. It was. It was probably two to three years in that. uh, uh, Three to four years in that she began to lose the ability to speak.
0: Was it slow or did it happen quickly? It was. it was, It
1: was. It was a gradual. Kind of kind of thing. I mean, when when her, when she was diagnosed, Dave, she was, lost her confidence. She was a very confident woman, mm. and she lost her confidence just immediately, wow. and just became very um, into herself and whatever else. And a couple of years into this, our sister-in-law uh, encouraged Martha to get into a watercolor painting class.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Martha had never done that. She had been playing tennis. She'd been into politics. She'd like to talk smack with her friends, and uh, whatever else. But she got into this watercolor painting class, and it drew Martha out like I was never expecting to see again. Wow! And her confidence just flourished, and um, and she, she that continued for about three years. At this point, I mean, mm. the picture that I have behind me, I'm going to. Move to the side a little bit. I That's call this her self portrait. She yeah. did
0: this while she, oh, wow. went, after she had. Um, that is a beautiful it, uh, Picasso you got there.
1: Uh, it's just an amazing. Her, her art teacher told me, Carly, I, I don't know colorful. where this coloration is coming from, <laughs> and uh, and nobody did, but it, she just really enjoyed it. Really brought her out. Made her very social with the folks
0: who were in the class and the like. And made her very popular. Well, yeah. <laughs> probably the best student in the class. Well, she was, she was really quite good.
1: And, uh, and when she sold a, sold a piece, she was on top of the world. It just, wow. Yeah, yeah. How much did uh, you <laughs> sell it for? It was, it was probably a couple hundred bucks.
0: Wow. yeah. Yeah. And so was that, anybody's confidence. Was it a a friend or a stranger or well, what it was,
1: our sister-in-law was taking the class as well. And so she had at her house, she had an art showing of Martha's and KK's, our sister-in-law. And friends and family came in and and I don't know the motive why people bought, but they bought. And um cool. so that was that was a good thing. The, so, um,
0: so, what's the best advice that you received during your 17 years of doing this stuff?
1: Um, as I was getting into looking at different approaches and different ways to try to uh, work with Martha, just a friend early on told me, he said, Carlin, be gentle on yourself. Hmm. I have, uh, most of my life, had this tendency tendency to be perfectionist, and I wanted things done right, done on time. You laugh and smile like you know what I'm talking about. And um, uh, and, uh, that was great advice to me. It took me a long time to learn that. And um, it, it just, it was, but either I would learn to f- f- try, k- try to keep fighting this thing or try to sort of get in Martha's world and understand where she is. Right. And that's well, very helpful. A real yeah. gift that I received, uh, Dave, was when our two, our two, our three children, when Martha was diagnosed, were two were in college and one was still in high school. And, um, when, um, uh, our two children were graduated from college and came back to the Tampa Bay area. They came to me and said, daddy, we want to give you a weekend a month off. And I said, really, <laughs> I, I didn't ask their motive or anything else. I took them at their word. And um, I, I, I spent most of those weekends at a nearby monastery where I could get out
0: in the oh. country
1: and just, vent and pray and read and walk. and uh, The brothers uh, t- take their cloaks off and they're a fun bunch to be with and laugh with and whatever. And that was just, I did that for uh, a good three, four to five years.
0: Wow. Take if anybody a- out there doesn't know what to, what kind of gift to give a caregiver, that is the best gift I've ever heard of.
1: That's, that's a wonderful gift. And um, I mean, it, it just, one of the things that, uh, in, in my book, uh, Alzheimer's is, is not the focus of my book. It's the context. Mm. The uh, focus is the spiritual odyssey that we wound up going through. Yeah. And uh, when Martha was diagnosed, she did not want to tell us so, but except for one man who was a retired minister, who was a good friend of hers, he had married us, baptized a couple of our kids. We called Lacey over and he said, I I would like you to go. I would suggest that you go visit a friend of mine in Kentucky at the Sisters of Loretta, a retreat director there by the name of Sister Elaine. Uh And uh, we decided to do that uh, and went up there three weeks after a diagnosis. And just that gave us a chance to catch our breath, that gave us a chance to hear what. Hear her out. Um, And one of the things that she told us towards the end was, you might want to just check out meditation and see. And I never practiced any kind of meditation at that point. And that was was really important. Uh, What we did was, I didn't do it alone. I did it with Martha, just sitting side by side with her, holding her hand. The word that we had selected to meditate with, I just quietly repeated. And it wasn't long, but it was a little while that I began to sense Martha's anxiety just come down mm-hmm. and my anxiety began to come down. And that made it a lot easier to work with her and her to understand me and, and sort of a give and take in this whole, whole, whole time together.
0: Yeah. How about some mistakes? You made any mistakes? <laughs> Did, never made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, I, when I start when I started off on this, I was hoping to be able to find some cure for Alzheimer's. I, I had Martha and I both had never met a problem that we somehow could not resolve. And so I went down a lot of dead ends, a lot of rabbit holes just looking for, and uh, I guess it would be wasting time, but I, it, uh, at least I found out that no need to go going there anymore. And um, so that was s- certainly one. The other would be, uh, uh, others would include things like wanting Martha to do something now the way I wanted her to do it. And she would start balking at that. And I couldn't understand why she was balking at that. And so it became very aggravating for us to um, uh, to get past that impasse. Uh-huh. And um, so in, in general terms, yes. I mean, but no, I mean, one time I tried to get Martha into, while she was living at home, tried to get her into um, an adult daycare facility. And Martha just, she walked in, and then she immediately walked out, says, I am not going in there. And... Um, just so there are a string of things that just had to learn as we went, and that and uh, uh, that everybody's got to learn what works and what does not work in their own situation.
0: Wow, that is uh, <laughs> that is something, um, yeah. Why? Why do you think she was shy about talking to uh, friends and family in the beginning? Cause that's a very common thing. Um, my wife had a stroke and uh, almost all the people who lost their speech, they became introverts and really uh, didn't you know, want to come out. But my wife, on the other hand, she was like that in the beginning, but then she just decided if I'm still here, God must have a reason for me. And she is the most outgoing, rigorous person who can't speak but can communicate non-verbally and she'll right. walk up to strangers when we're out about and touch their face and and i said she's saying that you're very beautiful <laughs> i mean she, she's not shy anymore what do yeah. you think um, is the difference between the two people because sometimes introverts can become out extroverts and vice versa
1: well martha was um, all the time i knew martha up until this time martha was an extrovert much more so than i uh, but uh, I, I, I attribute it to the stigma that's associated with mental disabilities. Uh, that a lot, a lot of people uh, get uh, have one form of dementia or another, and uh, they just and there's there's still very much a stigma. It's probably less so than there was uh, 25 years ago. Uh, but um, th- th- that was the first thing. I don't know. That that was the first thing in her mind, and I. I tried to encourage her to, to, to connect with people, and, and a lot of people knew something was going on Dave.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh But um, it just, uh, I mean, for example, uh, to get a, uh, a person to come in and be with Martha to care for her during the day, the first person or two I tried, Martha just uh, balked at them, did not like them. Then our sister-in-law KK came in with a a young woman and told Martha and Martha was very close with KK and told Martha, Martha, this is my good friend, Trisha. and and, And so let's do some things together. And so the three of them did something together that day. And then KK came back the next week with Trisha and let's, let's go play and have fun. After that, Tricia was Martha's friend as well. And, and that, that transition just really helped in terms of uh, having somebody there with Martha, because I just could not afford to, to leave her there alone yeah. at that stage in, in, in this case, in this situation. But uh, to, to the short answer is I think it's a stigma that's attached in a lot of people's minds to a mental disability like this.
0: Yeah, what what were the worst moments? Uh, you told me there were like four really really bad moments. Uh. Well, the
1: diagnosis itself, um, the um, the time that I had to take Martha's car keys away from her.
0: Oh yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> that, that was um, was she willing?
1: No, she was not willing.
0: She thought she had the and ability to drive. She did. Uh, what made it? What made you think she didn't?
1: Uh, when I was with her, and she ran through two stoplights and oh two stop signs, but there were no cars coming the other way, and I said, "Whoa!" And, and, and that said, didn't
0: make sense to her. That that's why, or she did, did not make sense. And um, did she and so, deny doing it? She what's that? Remember? Did she n- couldn't remember doing it? Didn't she?
1: She said, "What stoplight? What stop sign?" Hmm.
0: And um, yeah, those are. It was just heart like
1: heart I, tore, I tore I tore Martha's heart out. Sure. And um, uh, uh, the third was uh, about five or six years into this. um, I was downstairs preparing breakfast and Martha was upstairs and I heard a thud and I ran upstairs and Martha was on the floor curled up. uh, Just her body curled up in a full seizure. Wow. And, and I had never seen anybody with, in a seizure before. Yeah, that's scary. And, um, so, and then the fourth was, uh, having to move Martha into, uh, the nursing home and just, uh, just felt there was just a real tearing there as well. So, so
0: how did you handle that? How did you get over that? What advice would you give to someone who has to go through things like that?
1: Um, Uh let's let's uh, looking at the um uh, going back to a statement i made earlier we had begun to practice meditation Uh and um and with the seizure we got martha to the emergency room the doctor had wanted to keep martha overnight for a couple of nights and in the hospital, the nurses did not know what to do with Martha other than to dope her up and, and just keep her quiet. Did not had not handled someone with that kind of um, issue, those issues. So the, she had a, a second seizure about a year later. And um, what uh, I did then was just gather Martha up in my arms, begin to quietly repeat our word of meditation and then lifted her up into her bed, let her rest there for a, a, pretty much the whole day. The next morning she woke up bright and, and as full as she'd ever been uh, rather than being just knocked out by uh, the um, yeah.
0: uh,
1: the medications. Um, as far as... Uh, so the, the, sort of the undercurrent on all this is is this meditative practice that I got into. It was just very important to me. Some people uh, don't get into it, but uh, it, it was very important to me. And I, I would go into the nursing home and could find Martha curled up just full of anxiety, either in her bed or in the chair. She was not walking at that point and not taking care of herself. Yeah. And I would uh, slip my hand into hers and just quietly say our word. And she, her body began to unfurl. Mm. And she either fell asleep or just stayed awake and either looked at me or looked uh, out the window or the like. And there was just a, there was just a piece that sort of came into the room at that time. Wow.
0: What's the importance of support groups? Uh, Did you use them and did they help?
1: I did not use a support group. And, uh, I talked to our neurologist uh, when Martha was diagnosed. I said, do you know any support groups? And and at the time, the Alzheimer's group that was here was just sort of fairly new and not really developed real well at that point. And uh, so I asked the neurologist and he said, yes, I know a support group, but I would encourage you not to go there because most of the most of the spouses or the people in that support group, their loved ones are very advanced. And I think it would depress you more than it would help you. And so I took him at his word and I didn't go there.
0: Oh, advanced so dementia?
1: I, what's that? With dementia, yes.
0: Yeah. No, I, I get that. Um, we were in the hospital when my wife just had a stroke and someone came in and said, Hi, my name is Caroline, and I'm asking people if they want to come to the stroke support group. And it freaked me out. I said, oh, my God, is that what my wife's going to be talking like? You know, Mm -hmm. and um, uh, now, see, my wife can't talk at all. I'd give anything to have her even talk like that. But at the time, that was too much information, you know. So, yeah, Yeah. I get it. Yeah. yeah, I get it. So um, uh, we only have uh, a minute or so left. Um, Is there anything that you would like to say in that minute that uh, we didn't talk about yet? We talked about your book. One, just reiterate
1: that it is a cliche, and you know it's a cliche coming out of your experience. It is very important, though, to learn to take care of yourself while you're taking care of your life. And however you figure out to do that, you need to do it. Just the last thing, just share with you that um, uh, my book, A Path Revealed, can be found on Amazon. And my name is spelled C-A-R-L-E-N-M-A-D-D-U-X. And um, I also have a blog under www.carlinmaddox.com that I've been sharing other people's stories as well as mine uh, since 2015. Hmm. Uh, I've had to take a take a, a recess here for this last year. I've had some personal health issues I've been dealing with, hmm. but I've got a full, um, full archive of, of posts on there that might be beneficial to folks uh, if they would like to check that out.
0: Good. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. It was a great uh, interview. Uh, and just a reminder that all our live shows become recorded podcasts and video casts on all our platforms that I mentioned earlier, you know, like YouTube, Blog Talk, Radio, Podbean, and many more. Don't forget to check out my membership website, caregiverdave.com. It's a free membership support community lots of tools, resources, and free gifts on please click the like button below on whatever platform you're watching or listening to. By following us, it improves Google search engine algorithms. And that's always a good thing to help other caregivers. So again, all my listeners out there all over the world, thank you so much for tuning in each and every week and making us number one caregiver podcast on the internet. We post two interviews each and every week, very, very early Wednesday mornings. Look for us on your favorite platform, including Facebook or on caregiverdave.com. So until next week, same time, same channel. God bless you. Bye-bye. Anytime we suffer loss, we grieve. And a lot of people don't realize what even the grief process is. But it could be five to seven steps ranging from denial. I don't believe this is happening. Anger. Oh, my gosh. I'm so upset this is happening to a form of bargaining, how can I get out of this, to depression, which is a very serious thing because that often leads to suicide. And then finally, finally, after you realize you have no more control over your situation and you're totally okay with the new normal that it brings, that wonderful, wonderful place called acceptance.